All right, guys, here we go. Nordy's podcast, huge episode. We are going to talk all about Euro 2021 and why you should be watching it. We are going to come to the defense of someone who needs it, LeBron James. And we're going to talk all about the NBA playoffs. Here we go. Nordy's podcast. And here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How are you guys doing? Doing excellent, my friend. We're doing awesome. You? I'm great. We had a great first episode this week where we finished up one of my favorite rewatches. We did Mission Impossible. We finished it up with Mission Impossible. So to go check that out. And also, we announced our newest rewatch. That's right. It's the summer of Star Wars, which is going to be awesome. So we're going to be watching. What an incredible event for us. This is going to be huge. 11 Star Wars movies this summer. It's going to be written. So hopefully you guys are going to join us for that. Go check out that episode. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but we have some sports to talk about. Before we dive right in, we need you guys to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordy's Podcast. Also subscribe anywhere that you get your favorite podcast from. You get the Nordy's Podcast directly to your device each and every week. Eric, prior to that, did you say one of my favorite sports episodes? Did you say screen episodes? I feel like you said sports, but I couldn't really hear. I'm not sure, but we had a great screen episode, and this is going to be a great episode. So <laughs> there we go. Here we go. Going to be a lot of fun. We have some beers in front of us. What are you guys drinking? Um, I'm not okay. So as you guys know, on the first episode, I bought a $22 four pack with double spirit fowl. So I wanted to get some bulk beer that's still delicious. So I got a 12 pack of this Shells Goose Town, which is like a nice Goza, uh, just super easy drinking German style beer. It's, you know, they have the coriander and salt as per the style, but it's not like crazy. It's still just really nice and easy. Um, so that's what I'm drinking on right now. Um, as per the last episode, Ryan forgot. And so I'm <laughs> drinking stuff that was left over. Um, fortunately, I have some good stuff that's left over. I'm drinking another serious leisure from Fair State, which is still phenomenal. Like it's still so a great beer. And again, the $11 price tag for the four tall boys is just out out of control like it's fantastic i would have bought more today but it was gone and um i loved those beers cool guys i'm drinking modest's truth sequence the west coast pale ale i know ryan had this uh recently and i have to tell you i think this is an incredible beer i love it it's got a it's got a very false pattern vibe to it where it's kind of kind of unassuming but then like the more you drink it the better it tastes it's really good and it's making me um i think i'm sick i think i'm kind of sick of the east coast ipa like are you down the the heavy big 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 beers i think i'm like i think i'm done i think i'm ready to go back to the west oh you're not there's gonna be some big release with like you know three breweries involved where it's super heavy i will absolutely get it and love it but i'm just telling you like i'm ready i think Mm -hmm. like We've done that and done it 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 it for like five straight years now. And I think I'm just ready for the West Coast uh, IPAs to come back and have their moment again. Yep, me too. Eric's one one step away from being Joe Pilsner. He's like, actually, Pilsners are the best beer. (laughs) Did you know that Pilsners are actually very difficult to brew? Yeah. (laughs) I don't care. When they taste good, they all taste the same. They all taste the same. A good Pilsner is the same Pilsner. All right, guys, here we go. It's time to start with our warm-up. What do we got today, Jim? All right, look, you know how much I respect your guys' sports acumen, okay? I really believe that you are two of the very best sports talkers I know, not just in Minnesota, but nationally, globally. 
But I want to know what you guys think. Who do you guys think is is killing it in the sports talker game? Um, they could be on podcast, but it has to be major. Um, or they can obviously be one of these ESPN guys. Um, in all of sports, who do you guys think has the best commentary, best opinions, best takes? Uh, who do you think is killing it in sports talking heads? That's a hard <laughs> question. Okay, I'm going to give you a few people. I, I thought, I thought I, Eric would for sure have his answer locked and loaded. They truly didn't know what I was going to ask here. I don't. Um, okay, so a few people I really like when they talk sports. Um, I love uh, Kevin Clark from The Ringer talking NFL. Um, I like um, Mina Kimes. I think she's from ESPN. She's great. Uh, Correct. I like – I've listened to the Bill Simmons podcast for Eternity, and I know people all kind of flame him, but I – always love Bill Simmons. And even though he always turns it into a Boston take, he has a lot of great takes. He always has great guests. Um, I like pardon my take with their stuff, even though it's more humorous, but their sports stuff is still good. And I love Sam Munson from PFF. Um, But both the main PFF guys are great, but I think Sam Munson is like so freaking good. And he loves the Vikings and he's British. (laughs) All right. So so locally, I think, I think, I think Courtney Cronin is an exemplary NFL, especially like Vikings reporter. Like, you know, she, she is fantastic. She's so well-spoken when she's on the radio with on the podcast. It wouldn't even be a, it wouldn't even be a podcast. It would be like, Hey, Courtney, um, give us the last six months of the Vikings and just let her go. Like that would be way more entertaining than listening to us talk. Um, I think she's, I think, I think she's really good. Um, I really like Mike Wilbon. I know he's a little bit over the hill, but I do still enjoy. Um, oh my God, what's their show? Pardon the interruption. I um, couldn't agree more. I Tony Kornheiser is a little bit old for me, and and very you know kind of old school with his takes. But I think Mike Wilbon is kind of with it now. Um, I think he's he's got some pretty. I mean, he he said that the Suns could easily beat the Lakers, and I, I think he was in the minority. Other than maybe you, Jimbo, and Mike Wilbon were the only two no, that thought no, the Suns could. Um, no, I, I, I'm um, kidding. I, I, I say that. But yeah, Charles Barkley was like, "No one's afraid of the Lakers." <laughs> Guess not. No, but I think I think Mike Wilbon was probably one of the first like national voices to say that that had a a, a large forum um, that the Suns could win. Yep. I like, um, yeah, I like Bill Simmons, but I think uh, Bill Barnwell from an NFL, NFL like voice standpoint analytics has, mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't do like a podcast. He's not a talking head. He's more of a, a columnist. No, he has, so, no, but, he has no podcast. Oh, he does now. Okay. Yeah. So like, I, I think those are probably three of my favorite ones that I, that I listen to consistently. Okay. But I Anybody think I, 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 besides Courtney Cronin, I on dude, I honestly think Courtney Cronin supersedes Ben Gessling as <laughs> as an analyst and like the way that she looks at things and writes about things. Like she is heads heads and tails above. Dude, okay, for me and for the the listening audience, how do you spell Cronin? C R O N I N. Okay, is it Courtney with a K or anything? Courtney with a C. Yeah. Okay. She's a great follow. She's a, a great analyst. She has great takes. She's they're like, all very like R Cronin on Twitter. And yeah, she, they're all very like very grounded, very smart. Like she's she's phenomenal. She writes all the ESPN pieces for um the Viking. 
So like when they do like everyone's writer writes something for ESPN, she usually answers for the Viking. She's great. Cool. And yeah, Ben Gessling is now at the strip where Courtney Cronin has taken his spot. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move on to some news. Here we go. We have to start with Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather. Um, I just think I'm sick of people like complaining about it at this point. No one watches boxing. And all these people are like, I don't want to watch this. It's like, dude, you wouldn't watch boxing. At least people are talking about this. Like, this shit is That's fun. It. And, like, like you know what? I heard um, – I so I was speaking of Bill Simmons. I heard um, he, he has, does a show every Sunday night, and he always has Ryan Rosillo, who's a pretty insufferable douchebag. Um, but he's, he's good, and he has some good takes. And Ryan Rosillo was saying, you know what? Everyone needs to quit complaining. I want to see weird stuff happen in sports. He's like, I want to see Alabama take on the worst football team. I want to see the a WNBA team take on a college men's basketball team. I want to see, you know, two celebrities fight. I want to see, you know, like he just started going off on a list of things he'd like to see in sports. And I instantly disagreed. And then the more he talked about it, the more I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I would love to watch that. I would love to watch it. So I think the more times that sports are fun and unpredictable is good. And so Logan Eric, Paul, Eric, how quickly would you watch the college national champion team play the uh, loser of the NFL, like with the, the team with the worst record in the NFL? That would be incredible viewing. Put it on Monday. Wow. Well, I would for sure watch it. And the NFL team would just dismantle them and it would be so fun. I but would like maybe it. one in like 15, the the college team would win and it would be amazing. Yeah. Or, or at least, or at least like hang in there for a while. Right. And make it, make it an interesting game. I think what you'd get is like the pro team would dominate, but there'd be guys on the college team who would be the best players on the field. Yeah, that so could be. You'd have, you'd have a couple star players that were unbelievable, and you'd be like, "Well, they're going to dominate the pros." But well, like, yeah, a couple of those Alabama receivers, if they played like you know whomever, would just shred them to pieces. So I think that this is fun. Um, I'm glad Floyd, May- Floyd Mayweather did it. I mean, I know he made somewhere he was guessing he was going to make between fifty and a hundred million for this. Um, I know he had a lot more to lose in this because if he knocks out a YouTube star, of course he did. He's Floyd Mayweather. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Logan Paul comes out of this looking great. And I think he actually deserves people's applause because say what yeah. you want and tell Very me every conspiracy theory. I mean, dude went in there with a 50, you know, retired, but 44 year old guy who had fought in the last two years. And he has had one professional fight, which he lost to another YouTuber. <laughs> like, this is not some experienced boxer. Now, he was much yeah. younger, but, like, he was just in good shape. And he obviously has trained his ass off. And he obviously mm-hmm. really cares about doing this. And so I think, like, it's fun to mock the YouTube star a lot. But, like, this dude deserves some credit. Like, if you train, if you had a, if you had millions and millions and millions of dollars and you could train for two years to fight Floyd Mayweather, you'd get your shit kicked a lot worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, isn't Logan Paul like 6'5 or some shit? Yeah, he's huge and jacked. I mean, like, yeah. I couldn't believe his stamina held up into the eighth round like it did. And I know people complained, but, like, if people are complaining, have they ever watched boxing? Boxing is the same shit. It's all clinching mm-hmm. and it's pretty boring in itself. So I thought this was cool. <laughs> And I want more of it. And I just think like they have, they have figured something out that people like in sports and it's like bringing people into sports that don't usually watch them. And so, I mean, these guys are really smart, even if they're assholes, 
they're really smart and they've like tapped into something that's like new and people are really interested even if you don't want to well, well hold on it's not it's not really new it's sort of like the battle of the stars from like the late 70s and early 80s when there were uh you know male athletes of other sports saying they could beat girls in tennis and then ended up losing so it, it's not it's not like a new concept but like it's kind of tweaked just a little bit in that regard but but yes i agree well, that they they have they have found uh like a niche sort of audience that like you said, like the Ryan Russillos of the world, which I think represents a pretty good amount of society as far as like male dominant sports watching sure. that would love to watch Floyd Mayweather fight anybody, right? Anybody that's not a, another professional boxer, whether it's a YouTube star, whether that's like Chad Ojocinco getting knocked out um, in a boxing match, etc. So I think um, Eric's definitely right. I mean, think about like so Bill Simmons said this. He said his son has never been more excited about a combat sport than he was to watch this. And he asked him why. And his son is like 14 or something. And he was like, because I really like both of these guys. He's like, I've watched all of the Paul videos for years. And I like Mayweather. And he said, I've been watching all of Mayweather's old fights to prep for this. And it's just like, I don't know, a new new people are seeing things and all these old boxers. That, that, that makes me that makes me think, first of all, Bill Simmons kid, his son is a shitty person that he's like <laughs> super into Logan Paul. So I think immediately, I think young, the entire generation below us is in trouble because everybody's into him. I think the young people are all into that. And so I don't know. I mean, I just think it's cool. I hope there's more kind of stuff like this. So we can move on. Oh, we'll buddy. Don't you oh. worry. There will also, be. also get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. so glad I didn't pay for this, but mo- moving on. So coach, <laughs> coach K, the famous Duke coach, one of the, maybe the most winning coach or second most winning coach or something of all time in college basketball um, is an egomaniac who is calling for uh, a farewell to her wherever and like gives him jerseys and pictures and gifts and like just it's insufferable and terrible for a year. And hopefully Duke goes down in flames because he is the crabby old man who like can't keep up with what the sport has turned into. And as great as he has been, and he has been, he's won multiple gold medals at the Olympics, five titles in college basketball, and has been an absolute pinhead douchebag loser for all of us to cheer against for (laughs) 30 plus years at this point. Um, You know, fun to cheer against. That's the thing. And and he deserves our respect. And I'm going to boo him all year. But why? (laughs) Because it's Duke. Why not cheer for Duke? I'm not saying you cheer for Duke, but why are you cheering against Coach K? No one likes Coach K. Coach K is a douche. And, like, like I was listening to Pardon My Take talk about him and all of the things he did. For instance, he told the, the campus newspaper that he wanted them to cover the team more. So they wrote an article after they had a bad start to the season, being like, Duke gets off to a cold start. And then he called a meeting to have them meet the team in what sounded like a nice thing, and then proceeded to berate them in front of the team, calling them idiots who didn't know what they were talking about. (laughs) (laughs) He's just an egomaniac dick, but like, whatever. I guess so are most college coaches. Probably. He's like 75 years old, and his hair is like pristinely black. Oh, he's got every single year the like the monsters hairdo yeah so yeah um but if if he was like i'm leaving duke and was gonna sign for minnesota you'd be the biggest coach k fan on earth tomorrow oh absolutely i would i'm absolutely <laughs> okay well but you're but you know you're a bandwagon gopher fan that's what i was going i was oh. going for not necessarily 
Coach K guy. No, I'm a huge bandwagon Gopher fan. Um, Coach right. K. Let's move on from Coach K because I don't want to talk about anymore. Let's talk about a really good story. That was the U.S. men's soccer team winning one of the most exciting games um, that they've ever played to win the worst named type, uh, tournament in sports, the CONCACAF uh, <laughs> over rivals Mexico. Um, this was such an exciting game. Uh, it started with Mexico scoring like instantly, um, followed up by a Gio Reyna goal, who's like, what, he's like 20 years old now? Maybe not even, 19 Is he, years old. Is he on the U.S. team? Yeah, he's a Prusa Dortmund okay. player. Got it. Next big time U.S. men's player. So he's. Scoring. I think he's. I think he might be 18 or 19. Yeah, easily. <laughs> he's. He's a freak. And so he scored to tie it up. Um, then uh, Lanes, I believe is, I don't know what his name is exactly, but he comes on late. Lanes. Lanes. Yeah, for, for Mexico. He instantly scores to take the lead on a beautiful goal late in the game. Weston McKinney, the Juventus star, um, scores on a header just right after that to tie it up. Um, there's a penalty to U.S. Pulisic from Chelsea pounds it into the top corner with just a pristine penalty. I mean, it's just about as good as you can take them. And then Mexico gets a penalty in extra time, and it's a terrible one, but it's saved. And the United States hangs on to beat their bitter rivals and win the CONCACAF championship. Also, I don't think we have a very good record against Mexico, here no. or there. No. They, they have dominated us for the last 15 years, easily. Um, so to win this with a bunch of young players is good. I, I still don't think we're a very good team. I mean, no. uh, this is not this is not me like blowing the U.S. men's national team because there's a lot of work to be done, and I don't think that this is the World Cup year um, next season where we're going to compete. I think it'll be in four years from that. Um, but to see, like Eric mentioned, Gio Reyna, Serginio Dest was involved, um, Christian Pulisic, obviously, uh, Weston McKinney, Zach Steffen, who got hurt. Um, all of these guys are playing for big European clubs and, and there's other guys that are kind of on the fringe. Um, but it's, it's a massively awesome change of pace to see from the U S men's national team where we used to have like one, maybe like we had Michael Bradley who played for Roma and Josie Altidore who played for, uh, Southampton. And that was it. Everyone else was playing you know, locally playing for MLS, but we have like guys playing for major competitions um, with big clubs. So this is kind of cool. Um, again, I don't think that they're very good at all. I think if the World Cup started tomorrow, we wouldn't make it out of the group, but it's a nice building block to see that the model for U.S. soccer has changed and we have the opportunity to be a relatively competitive international team, depending on the draw. Right. If we get a decent draw in a World Cup, we could very easily make it to the to the knockout stage. I think what's exciting so a long ways off. The US team is that two years from now they're gonna be a much better team too. For sure. Is I mean you look at like you said, all, all the all the guys we've every yeah, it's twenty twenty two. Yeah, so next year we're gonna be a better team then. Um the guys we're relying on, McKinney, Pulis. Well, Eric, Eric, you're you're assuming we're gonna make the tournament. You're assuming we're gonna qualify, which might not happen. I think if we don't qualify, we should just cancel soccer. A hundred percent. I mean I agree point, completely. We're like, oh man, hopefully we get by Panama, like it'd be better. Like Costa Rica and <laughs> Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, and like it's just like there's these teams shouldn't be able to, to compete with us. So um, I think it's exciting, um, but I will say this. It's exciting, but like neither of these teams are very good. Like they just no, no, no. Fair, and, and, and fair enough. And and so my, my whole point is like when you mentioned like Gio Reyna, Dest, Pulisic, McKinney, all these guys are like 
21, 22 years or younger. Oh, yeah. And there's uh, there's other guys, <coughs> excuse me, in the hopper like De La Fuente from Barcelona. And, and there's there's a bunch of other names of uh, uh, Musa who didn't play. Eric, that's your guy. Um, uh, who's the Timothy Way is now tied to the U.S. Men's National Team um, because he played last night. So th- there's a bunch of guys that can contribute eventually down the road. I think they're just still a little bit too young, uh, but in the future will be fun to watch. Absolutely. But how, how many times? How many times have we said that though? Like, oh, okay, it's not this one; it's the next one. That's <laughs> it's going to be really good. And then they get eliminated. They don't even make yeah. it. I think it's about yeah. thirty-two years of that. Yeah. Okay. Can I just tell you one thing I hate about U.S. men's soccer? Uh, yeah. Uh, all of, if I said no, if I said no, would it stop you? Absolutely not. Um, all of the former players from like the nineties when like we were just horseshit and wore like Levi's like denim jerseys and we like, <laughs> and like we were just fucking atrociously bad. And for whatever reason, they're like the voices of us soccer talking so about you mean, like Alexi Lalas, Kobe Jones, Clint Dempsey. There's another guy who's always on Landon Donovan before him. There's a guy like a, like a John Harkless or Harkness or something. Brian, Brian McBride. Yeah. Like just any of those guys, I can't stand them. Like their ego is so fucking big for like what little they accomplished that they kind of ruined us soccer for me. Like I almost, it like almost makes me not want us to win because I can't hear, you know, someone was like, man, USA has a real chance to beat Mexico. And then people like, this is what the rivalry means to the players. And then people were like, the rivalry has been going on for a long time, douchebag. And I'm like, why? Like, yeah, you <laughs> fucking lost at El Teca like 10 times. Get out of here. <laughs> good players now who play for real teams. So Tim Howard is the only American male that should be able to talk on soccer. Can we agree on that? Tim Howard loves Man United, but Tim Howard is great on uh, his coverage. Um, all, right. all right, let's move on. Uh, Tibbs, our former coach, wins the coach of the year for the Knicks. <laughs> what? I mean, isn't it just so Timberwolves for that to happen? Isn't it? It's actually so Minnesota. It, it's it's the thing where like something like doesn't work out. Everybody, even nationally, is convinced that a player or a coach just suck. Like it's them. It's their fault. Um, and then they go somewhere else to a new situation and they win. Uh, you know, the MVP or the you know Golden Glove or the uh, coach of the year in this case. So this doesn't bother it's me. So at funny. We were convinced that Tibbs was like, you know, just barked at everybody. Rote, rote. You know, and maybe he wasn't any good here, but he's the same guy that just went and turned the Knicks around, and they just like went deep. You know, well, they went into the playoffs. They they had a, the biggest turnaround ever. And, um, you know, coached up Julius Randle to be like most improved player and won the best coach. Um, so why is that? Why was he so bad here? And is it us? So here's the deal. One, Tibbs did a good job turning us around at the beginning, too. His shtick just wears thin quickly. Two, Leon Rose is the reason that the Knicks have turned things around so fast because he's smart at team building and they're going to only get better because suddenly they're being led by like really smart basketball and legal minds that I think are going to make the Knicks a pretty good team in the next few years. Um, three, um, Tibbs doesn't win this award if it's with any other team. Finishing in mm. what fourth or fifth place in the Eastern Conference, like from being a bad team, doesn't win coach of the year unless it's the Knicks. So, mm. Well, here's, here's the thing. The Knicks won 41 games. That would put them in eighth in the West behind the Lakers. Yep. And so... 
I, I don't think that's – I mean, they're tied with the Hawks. They won one more game than the Heat and five more games than the Celtics. Like, so I, do you I don't think, think the people that voted on this, do you think that they honestly thought about how funny it would be if, like, the Timberwolves were embarrassed again and then they voted, like, no. for Tibbs? No, I think, I think for a lot of the national voters, it's, like, a cool, hip thing to be, like, vote for the biggest market maybe second biggest market if you know if you're including like LA I, I I don't know what the what the numbers say but mm-hmm. to be like oh I think you know Tibbs did this magnanimous job for the Knicks who have been awful for like 20 years after Jeff Van Gundy left like they haven't had like a good team since then mm-hmm. but they're like oh I gotta get my I gotta get my clicks in I gotta get my street cred up I love the Knicks the Knicks the Knicks the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau is the greatest turnaround and whatever and mm-hmm. they were 10 games over 500. See, it, I, it was it wasn't like some like massive like they weren't like sixty and twenty you know what I mean like it wasn't anything like yeah. that and they got whooped in the playoffs I know it doesn't count the playoffs for that vote but like he did an okay job so like to me the biggest story in the NBA or the second biggest story in the NBA this year is the new um, young talent right Zion mm-hmm. Ja Booker uh, Jokic. Um, Trey Young, Trey Young, you know, like all these new young stars of the league and like their kind of emergence as the old guard ages and these young guys are stepping up and be kind of Carmelo Anthony, becoming (laughs) becoming stars of the league. And that's that's probably the second biggest story. The first biggest story is the Knicks are back to being a respectable team. It's that shocking. It's just that big deal. I just think like there's so many Knicks fans and the Knicks are always horse shit. And the fact that the Knicks Mm -hmm. are like kind of back is really exciting and so i think i think tibbs wins the award because he's the next coach and that's it like and like think about the isaiah thomas with the knicks like they were so unbearably bad that mm. he's winning coach of the year on the fact that they've been that they're one of the biggest markets in the nba and they've stunk for 15 years easily anyway then then i think that finch wins it next year I wouldn't trade Finch for for tips. How about that? Yeah, I wouldn't. Well, of course we couldn't. Now, I mean, it's he's ruined here. All right. So some rumors going around that Carl Anthony Towns is the next guy who could be moved around. I don't see that. Um, I think the season ended too well, and I think mm-hmm. that as he assesses the league um, and where he could go, um, I just don't think there are enough assets in places to get him out of Minnesota right now to a place that he'd be happy going. You know, like the assets are on the big teams or the big markets. They don't really have the pieces to move. Um, maybe Miami, but I don't know if he's the kind of guy they're trying to target anyways. Um, mm-hmm. But so the rumor was what? It was a Stephen A. Smith you were saying? Yeah. And it was... Carl so he had Stephen A. Smith had had said on you know one of his shows um, that he thought that it looked like it could happen for him to for Carl Anthony to go to the Trailblazers, um, which is funny to me because they are a joke of a team. Although they've been consistently better in the last couple of years, that's mostly like you know Dame and McCollum was really good for a little bit for a minute there. Um, they're like historically a, a bad team too. They can't get out of their own way. So I I really don't know if that's a, appealing at all to Towns. I I don't know. I don't think he even really wants to go. Like he consistently says the right stuff. Like, dude, I want to win here. We can win here. Like, I want to stay here. This is my home. All the, you don't catch him slipping. So I don't know. People love to cause up drama, get the clicks. But his good buddies there, and he's got one of the best young players in the league, in Anthony Edwards. And I think that makes it so he kind of sees like, yeah, the grass isn't currently greener in other places that I could actually go to. And so I think he sticks around. This is a bunch of nothing from Stephen A. Smith. 
I think we get most. Yeah, of them. and I, I, yeah. The, the Portland part is the most curious because they're obviously locked into McCollum, Dame, Covington. and there's Covington, and then their center who's Nurkic. like not great, but huh? Nurkic. Nurkic. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't see them taking on thirty million dollars a year and salary for Carl Anthony Towns to fill a void that really isn't there. Yeah. So it's, it seems like a, a bit of a stretch. All right. So uh, moving on from there, but sticking with the Wolves and Anthony Edwards, he posted on Instagram today, I've never seen so many people be so happy to see an athlete fail more than LeBron. His whole career, he's been hated on constantly and slandered to no end to the point where when he retires, nobody would have appreciated his greatness. I'm glad I will be one who did. And this, I could not agree with an athlete more than I agree on this. We love to to think of MJ's greatness. We remember MJ even greater than he was, like almost like a superhero. We remember Kobe Bryant as greater than greater than he was. We love to remember great players, and we will remember LeBron like that. Everyone will. He's wrong with that. Everyone will remember LeBron in the same way, if not better. But why can't we enjoy him while he's here? Why does the media and the fans and everybody want to just celebrate his downfalls, cheer for his downfalls, mock him, complain about him at every single turn when he's literally one of the most important athletes in the history of sports. I thought about it today. I thought to myself and I messaged a group chat with you guys in it. I was saying he's the greatest athlete of my adult life and like maybe even more than that. And Mm -hmm. he's so important for the empowerment of players that I just think that everybody, you don't have to cheer for LeBron. But the disrespect needs to stop. As the NBA players and athletes around the world respect LeBron more than maybe any other athlete, the fans don't. And I think part of it has to go back to like this idea of like the owners and the fans think that like there's this responsibility of the players to be loyal to their teams and take hometown discounts and stay with one team forever, even if they're poorly managed. And LeBron said, yeah, I don't like that system. We don't, we're not working for the billionaires. We're working for the players. And so he kind of like took a hammer to that system, destroyed it, brought this player empowerment movement where guys take short-term contracts with player options and they pick their destinations and they play with who they want and they play where they want and they get paid tons of money and they are in control of what, what happens in the league and they reward the good teams and they punish the bad. And to me, that has been like the biggest change that's happened in sports maybe in, I don't know, like in decades. And he has moved, you know, that's happened now in the NBA. It's happening now in the NFL. And people don't like that for whatever reason. But I don't know. I feel like the when we call players greedy, we're just forgetting about the fact that there's extremely greedy owners who are making a lot more than the players. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and people also don't consider like, what if, uh, I forget who the owner is of uh, the Cavaliers, had decided I'm maxing out on LeBron right now. And I'm trading him to Miami for player A, B, and, you know, cash and a player to be named later, right? He would be either revered as a revolutionary who changed the game and the way owners do business, or if all of those picks that they got back and the players they got back sucked, be like, ah, that was a terrible trade, but we get why he did it, right? So the narrative is easily manipulated across the board and it's not just and and you know this was part of the group chat was you know eric it's it's not just the owners it's all the talking heads that that know what drive clicks they know what drives traffic to their websites to their shows and it's lebron drama and Mm -hmm. it's so easy to spot like as 
like even as a non like I, I would say I'm a c- more casual NBA fan listening to Stephen A and Colin Cowherd and all these other idiots talk about the NBA it's easy to see where their bread is buttered and it's frustrating because Eric is 100% right LeBron is not worshiped in the way that he should be by the common fan right they're they're they, they've they've watched they've gotten their fix too much from Fox News from OAN that's told them LeBron is controversial by showing a 10 second clip of him walking off the court and what they miss is all of the other like the the, the body of work so I completely mm-hmm. agree with you this the, the whole notion that like LeBron is revered differently when he has completely changed um, the way that the players can do business like you know look at James Harden Kevin Durant. Etc. Like all Chris Paul, all these players across the league have benefited financially and um, professionally, like just as far as their like league status goes from the things that LeBron did long before them. Um, anyway, like uh, it's fr- it's frustrating to see in real time. We've put a microphone in LeBron's face since he was like 16 years old and asked him to answer every question about everything in the world at all times, every single day. And then we complain about his answers when the guy has literally never messed up. Like, can you think of one? <laughs> no. one what well, is, okay. He got the, the only, the, Dude, the he's only a family thing. man. He's, he's a role model. He's a, he's an incredible teammate. He's not like an MJ teammate either. His teammates don't talk about him the way that MJ's teammates talked about MJ, which was like, wow, that was actually really miserable for me professionally and personally. Um, I guess I have some titles from it, but it wasn't fun. It's like, dude, LeBron has friends all over the league. I mean, he's a just all around. I don't know what the fuck else you want from this guy. I, I just think and, it's and, crazy. And the, the one thing that everyone will point, which I guarantee if you ask LeBron and you had like a, a, a non-disclosure agreement and a vow of silence, like was the decision a mistake? He would say yes, mm-hmm. 100%. And that's what everyone will always point to. Well, he couldn't do it in Cleveland, so he had to go do it with Wade and Bosch. Yes, of course he did. Uh, the owner of Cleveland tried to get him a bunch of players. They all suck. So why yeah. wouldn't he want to go somewhere else and win? You don't with blame KG for leaving Minnesota. It's the same deal. Well, but he was traded. I mean, I mean but 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 at the same at yeah, the same time, he hated Glenn Taylor. It was it was over. A hundred percent. At the same time. If again, if LeBron had been traded by the owner, everybody would have said, "What a savvy business decision!" Like you struck while the iron was hot, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. But because LeBron chose to leave on his own volition to maximize his own value, albeit in a less than great publicly received way, he's now this like unloyal blah blah blah. Like even though he went back to Cleveland and won them a fucking title. Yeah. It's so stupid. What a dumb narrative. I just think like, um, you know, we're like, oh, the decision. What a what a bad choice that was for him. It looked terrible. Yeah. Okay. Well, how come we don't give the same amount of problem to, to MJ, who had massive gambling debt, which probably got him suspended from the league. So they had to create this story about him playing baseball. And then his dad got murdered probably because of the gambling, gambling debt. And we're like, eh, he was a competitor. It's <laughs> because <laughs> he didn't want to lose. That SNL skit. You know the and little scene crazy. in the locker room where he's like the head of security. Yeah. They're throwing the quarters. That skit. Go look it up, everyone. Google Please SNL. Pants. Oh, he takes everything. Shave your head, motherfucker. 
Oh, yeah. That's so great. So to me, I just think that you can cheer against LeBron all you want. You don't have to cheer for him. But there needs mm-hmm. to be some respect. We need to enjoy the final years of LeBron's career. He's giving us one of the greatest sports careers ever. And we've asked him every question. We've been like, LeBron, what do you think? Speak for all black people and how you feel in this tragic situation, in this thing on camera we're going to ask you right now, which you may not have thought about. That's really hard to answer. And you're now answering for all black people. And then he gives you a really articulate, smart, caring answer. And then we're like, stick to basketball. <laughs> you know, it's like, we ask oh, him, it's brutal. we're like, speak for all players, LeBron. And then, then we think that's a problem. LeBron has to answer every question about politics, about race, about sports, about everything. And then we just ridicule him when he really just gives us smart answers and really thoughtful answers. Well, and then, and then to, to piggyback on that, they ask him about China, right? <laughs> Oh, can you talk about the NBA's relationship with China? And then LeBron's like, hey, I don't know, man. That's not something that's like my forte. That's that's up to the league. And everyone's like, oh, LeBron completely supports China and genocide. And it's like, (laughs) that's not what he said. Like, it's just so fucking stupid. Like, it's annoying. Not everybody has to be an expert on everything. I've come to that conclusion. And, you know, this this woke world that we live in where it's like, okay, every two or three weeks, there's like a big Instagram activist push. And I just realized, like, it's not reasonable to expect everyone to be an expert on everything and to have a preformed opinion. And yet, that's what we've been doing with LeBron and other celebrities forever. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's Eric's point is that when people ask LeBron questions, they expect that of him to be an mm-hmm. expert on, on geopolitical issues, right? And then right. in five minutes later, if if his answer is articulate and smart, they'll be like, uh, "Just shut up and dribble." Like, we don't want your opinion. And it's like, okay, but you don't get to have it both ways. And I, I, that, I find that not just with LeBron. I mean, LeBron most prominently, mm-hmm. but overall with athletes in general is just, like, preposterous. It's just stupid. Um, I think that, like, this is the best – this is my best example of how the NBA players feel about him. So he's obviously rivals with the Clippers, right, with Paul George and Kawhi and whatnot. They're rivals, supposedly. I mean, they don't hate each other by any means, but, like, you know, they're rivals on the court. And if you remember in the um, in the bubble, there was the George Floyd incident happens. There's all of this. There was the the another incident that happened in in um, Wisconsin. And if you remember, um, the players boycotted some games. If you remember this, right? Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, LeBron was kind of the leader of that. He was leading the charge. They almost canceled the rest of the season. And at one point, LeBron and all of the Lakers and all of the Clippers walked out and were pretty much like, we're done. And I think the Milwaukee Bucks actually walked out first after the Kenosha thing, which was pretty cool. But totally, the, actually, the same night later, you're right. Yeah. And so and they, yeah. And they said, they said, we'll do whatever LeBron wants. Yeah. Right? Is so that where you're going, going Eric? Yes. Yeah. You had, um, um, it said, while NBA players are questioning whether resuming the season would distract from the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, Pat Beverly, who played for his uh, opposition, you know, played for the Clippers, said, mm-hmm. if LeBron James is hooping, we all hooping. You know, yeah. like, it's just pretty much like everybody will just do what he says. He's the leader of, of athletes in America. And I think we as fans need to just enjoy it. Like, I didn't enjoy Kobe and and Tim Duncan and some of these other guys enough. And LeBron's mm-hmm. twice the player those guys are. And so we just need to enjoy the last few years, whether it's cheering against him or cheering for him. He deserves our respect. And we're all going to think he's epic in 10 years anyways when he's retired. And we're going to remember him like we remember Jordan. And he just deserves that respect right now. That's my point. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to some NFL talk real quickly. 
Um, we had the, a big signing from the Vikings. They signed uh, cornerback Rashad Breeland, who played most recently for the Chiefs the last two years. He started like 30 games for the Chiefs over the last two years. Um, another cornerback, uh, this is now um, four cornerbacks and a safety we have signed just this offseason. Um, we have poured money into our defense. I was going to say, you, th- you think something was lacking last season? Um, <laughs> they spent two uh, first and a third round pick last year. Um, they have Harrison Smith still. They uh, signed Patrick Peterson. Um, they signed, I can't think of the safety right now, from the Cowboys, who will be our starting safety. For whatever reason, the name is evading me. Um, but they also signed now Breland. They signed Mackenzie Alexander. They signed another guy who played with, with, I believe, the Titans. I mean, they're just pouring assets into the defensive backs on this team. So at least, worst case scenario, if Mike Zimmer is going to go down this year, he's going to go down doing it the way that he wanted, with a bunch of assets in the back end. Well, and I think, you know, losing or trading Mike Hughes, um, Holton Hill being gone. And probably losing Gladney. Oh, yeah, because of the off off-field stuff yeah. yeah there's a good there's a good chance so this is this is all probably uh making sure we have enough depth to start the season you know so that they don't run in, into the issue that they had you know last year of essentially starting a bunch of practice squad rookies uh by you know by the time week 12 rolled around so um i don't think you bring in breland to compete for a backup role i think he's going to be expected to to start and be a big piece of the Mike Zimmer defense. So um, hopefully that ramps up the competition. Um, you know, they got OTAs. Uh, is it OTAs now or whatever? They're, they're uh, whatever, mandatory, mandatory minicamps mini are starting. Isn't going to it. That's where we're at. He's not showing yeah, up. So that's every, everyone knows where Rogers is at, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, which is, which is right where Rogers wants it. Um, so I think, you know, for, for the mandatory minicamps, I think that, you know, this is a, a great spot for the Vikings to increase some competition um, with Patrick Peterson and uh, a couple of the rookies. So it'll be fun. I think it's a it's a positive sign. We're not going into the season with uh, potentially three out of four rookies starting in our defensive secondary. Um, Eric, would you agree? Um, yeah, I mean, I think you have they're going to lean on four or five guys here. Uh, obviously, Peterson, Dantzler, um, I think Mackenzie Alexander will probably start in the slot. I think that number four guy will probably be Breland. And then if Gladney can give them anything, I guess that's what I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think that they're going all in on their defense. Guys, I believe the Vikings have the second cheapest offense in the NFL. So for all of us who are like, Kirk Cousins are paid. It's like, well, he's the only guy getting paid on the offense. So just chill. The offense is <laughs> dirt cheap. The defense is super expensive. The defense has to be better this year or everyone's gone. So the pressure is on. I can't wait. Including possibly the coach. For sure the coach. For sure the coach and for sure the GM if it doesn't go well this year. So, um, yeah, I think the pressure's on. It should be a fun season to be a Vikings fan. Uh, other news in the NFL, Julio Jones traded from the Falcons to the Titans. Um, I think this is like not nearly as big of a deal as people are pretending it is. That's what I think too. I'm like, is he, you know, he was great. He's big. I get it. Is he a top 10 receiver? I mean, he's like, what going to be 33. He's a top four for eight games a year. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Last last year he had like 70 catches. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, he's a beast, but he plays eight games every year. He played eight games last year. You know, it's just like, I don't know. I thought the trade was pretty fair both ways. I'd probably feel better being Atlanta, getting that money off of our salary cap, getting a second and a fourth for. Well, yeah. He's, what is it? His his cap hit is like twenty million. 
Yeah, something huge. One of the highest paid offers. Preposterous. Would you rather have Adam Thielen or Julio Jones? Adam Thielen, because I know he's going to play easily. Easily. Would you rather have yeah. Justin Jefferson or Julio Jones? Jefferson. Like, I mean, it's it's, it's a no brainer. Like, the, those are easy questions to answer. Part of being a good player is being on the field. Now, I do think that when they're healthy, that's a fun team. Julio, AJ Brown. Uh, Henry, Tannehill. I mean, it's a fun team. I, it's, they're going to be a fantasy uh, headache, but also like a lot of fun. Um, but, but they I, also, but they also lost like two of their like kind of you know secondary, tertiary receivers in. Uh, yeah, Corey Davis is and, fun and uh, tight end. Uh, yep. Can't think of his name. The yet. other guy, yeah, went to the Patriots. So I'm having a hard time with names, I guess, right now, everyone. Um, but yeah, well, but like, it doesn't matter. Like losing the, like you, you can't just like say like, oh, Julio's going to slot right in and start 16 games and be perfectly fine. Like that's just not the way it works with him at his age. Um, no, absolutely. So yeah, I don't know. It's exciting. NFL's right around the corner. Mini camps starting up here. Uh, let's move on to some NBA playoffs. So we're going to make some picks on what's going to happen in the playoffs. And actually, we're going to pick who we're cheering for in each of our games. Okay. All right. Okay, great. So, so we're going to start out with uh, the Brooklyn Nets, who are absolutely pummeling uh, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. I can't imagine the Bucks coming back at this point. They're down two zip, and they've been throttled, especially in game two, where they lost by like 40. And the Nets don't have Harden. The Nets don't even And have the Bucks are coming off of sweeping the Heat. So how good are the Nets? I'm cheering for the Bucks. The Nets are going to win. It's not even close. I think that they'll win in five. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think. I don't know that the. Bucks I mean, are if, if Harden one, comes okay. back, if Harden comes back at all, this is a sweet, like four game sweep. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's four or five. I'll call it five as well. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the other series, there you have the Hawks at the uh, Sixers. I know the Hawks won game one on the road in a close game by four. I like the Sixers in this series, but I don't like the Sixers in the long term because Embiid has a torn meniscus. He's not healthy, and that's a big problem. I think they have too much for the Hawks eventually, but the series is going to be longer and harder than it needs to be at this Ben Simmons is terrible from the free throw line, and I think that Trey Young – I mean, you want to talk about the passing of the baton to some of the younger players. Right. I think Trey Young is the perfect candidate for that. So I'm all in on the Hawks. Yeah, I'd like to see the Hawks win this one. I think the Sixers are a better team. And then there's Trey Young, right? Yeah. So James, you don't, you desperately don't want the Nets to win, but you want all of their competition to lose. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Their last hope is the Sixers to get them, I think. I'm not sure you know exactly who the competition is, my friend. I mean, you, you are, you know, you were convinced the Lakers were going to win all. Um, everybody can look at the super teams and say, yeah, they're going to go pretty deep, but I don't know. Anybody can beat them. Um, well, maybe nobody can beat the Nets. I but think no one can beat them. I, I, maybe, then maybe it doesn't really matter who wins I, the other series there. I'm just, at this point, I think I'm just cheering against the Nets, but it's too little. 100%. Absolutely. The Nets are like the evil team to me at this point. I literally don't like two of the three superstars, and I only tolerate Harden. Um, so, I mean, Kyrie is unbearable as a as a person. Kevin Durant is seriously a slimy snake. I don't like either of them. Um, you know, and then Harden's like, whatever, just get to the strip club, buddy, and do your step backs. It's all good. So it's not a likable team at all. So I, just, I want him to go down. I just don't know who can beat him. I do think that um, the Sixers will probably win. It'll, it'll, I think it'll go to seven. Sixers will win. Also, I don't consider the Sixers a super team at all. No, I don't. No, they're just a normal team who's like just built up assets. Yeah, not, 
Not anymore. Not anymore. Like they went one. through quote the process. I think they did it the right way. Sure. And you know, if if they were healthy with Embiid, and I Embiid bothers me anyways because he's like what Towns could be, which is like a every single year candidate for MVP. Or Embiid was what we could have had instead of drafting Towns. Literally could have had. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And we don't uh, talk about that enough. So next up, right now it's halftime of like a one point game between the Suns and the Nuggets. I think I'm cheering for the Nuggets because less racist people live in Colorado. I actually am too. I see Denver as a sister city to Minneapolis. Yeah. A lot of people move between them. Um, I like Denver. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm going like for the Nuggets. And, oh, Jimbo, you and I agreed that if the Wolves move to Seattle tomorrow, Denver's our new team. Denver's mm-hmm. stuff looks sweet too. Cool logo, cool colors, good jerseys. Yeah. I'm cheering for Denver. Jokic uh, is the MVP. Ton, tons, of, tons of edibles. We love <laughs> as Denver. many as you can possibly need. You'll get bored with edibles. I, I love that. That sounds amazing. And uh, who are you cheering for, Ryan? Oh, Denver. Denver. Denver's my team. I, w- I want Denver to make it to the finals. All right, and then Utah versus the Clippers. Um, my racist thing doesn't really work here. I think I'm cheering for... Oh, Utah? You, uh, th- you think Utah's not racist? You just got to go underdog in this. Underdog trumps here, racism. Who is the underdog? The racist underdog, you guys. <laughs> Let's all cheer for Utah. <laughs> You're the one seed. You're not the underdog. But you guys, they, think about it. This is a loser racist, okay? I, I, mean, this... I changed my mind. I'm okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Jimbo. <laughs> Jimbo, you were just in Utah. You tell us how racist of a state it was. And I don't know. I didn't see any every- black people. There's no possible way it could be racist. <laughs> I was in Park City. It's a monoculture. It was insane. <laughs> I mean, it's literally like it's literally like buff, white, handsome, like 45 year old rich people mowing people's lawns there. I think I'm. Che- I can't believe it. I've talked myself into cheering for the Clippers. Yeah, that's a big problem because that's an unlikable team, too. I'm cheering for the Clippers now because I can't cheer for the state of Utah. So. Well, I'm cheering for the Jazz. It's They're an underdog. It doesn't really matter. No, I, no, I, no, I, no. The, the, the Mormons the Mormons have squirreled away like $32 billion during the pandemic. Like they got PPP loans <laughs> when they like you should not be rooting for anything in Utah. Oh all. God! Well, they literally. All right, let me go. The, I don't know. Then I don't know. I guess I go the Clippers. Clippers. I, Clippers. I guess I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. It's, it's a Denver. Denver. What's your I, want, I want Denver. I think this Denver. is a little bit closer series here. I think that the Eric. I the but Eric, hold on. And the, hold on, Eric. Eric, your biggest complaint about the NBA playoffs is to make it viable in the finals. Who do you think stands the best chance against the Nets in the NBA finals? Is it? The Nuggets, the Suns, the Clippers, or the Jazz? The Clippers. Really? Yeah. You don't think the Nuggets can hang no, they at all? No, they have guy. They have Jokic and like Michael They, lost, they lost Murray, which is Murray a problem. Murray kills them. If they had Murray, I'd say maybe. I think that Kawhi and George as wing creators, like who could defend, Kawhi could defend one of those guys. George could defend one of them. I don't know. I mean, they're going to lose, but at least they like, I don't like them. But I think they at least can go hang. Yeah. I mean, Kawhi. If you okay, play, so Utah's out then. I don't think Utah Utah, can hang. I think Utah might be able to. I mean, they have a good perimeter scorer in Mitchell. They have a great rim protector in Gobert. Um, You know, they have shooting. They have Mike Connolly, who's an okay guard. Like, I don't know. I think any of them are going to get sacrificed at the altar of the Brooklyn Nets. 
just doesn't yeah. matter at this point. Like they, they're just massacring a good team right now. Like just any <laughs> way is just like getting blown away at this point. So yeah. I don't know. It's but they're also they're also just beating up teams in the East. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's just be electric if like the Suns make it and they're like up two games to nothing. I'm like I'm gonna be the biggest Suns fan ever for like two. Well, weeks. but just. I don't know. Matt, I mean, we talked about like the Knicks. Thibodeau won coach of the year with a 41-win team, and the Nets only won seven games more than them. And I realized there were all those like permutations of like how many times did Durant and yeah. Irving and Harden all play together, but it's not like the Nets were like destroying they weren't, you know, 72 and 10 like the like the the Bulls or, you know, 73 and 9 like the Warriors. So, um, I don't know. It, I, I feel like the East is a little bit overrated and i'm hoping mm-hmm. that the west every everyone will be like oh they'll say that like oh they're going to be sacrificed at the altar of the eastern conference when was the last time that happened of a non-lebron team like right never i i i would imagine that like these west western conference teams are going to be able to hold their own against uh you know these kind of soft eastern conference teams i don't know that's just history hey, Ryan, in, in my opinion is, like history. i want to believe that so much i, I love Histori- that idea. i love that take that's a great take but your eye your eye yeah. test is not feeling that for sure <laughs> but like his, historical precedent says like yeah. it's going to be more competitive than you think so i'm hoping that it's denver against the nets and denver win oh, that's bad that'd be that, so electric to me that's that would be bad so that's bad for the nba but i feel like that's that's fun basketball to watch for the fans. All right, guys, let's move on to our final topic. The Euros are starting. So if you need something to do over the next few weeks, you can watch some amazing soccer. Guys, the Euros are pretty much the World Cup minus Brazil and Argentina, who aren't going to win the World Cup anyways. So it's pretty much just like a mini World Cup, just cutting all the bullshit teams out. Mm, agreed. I like that. That's, that's well sold. I've noticed this is how much I know about it. On Instagram, my favorite soccer players are posting pictures of them in their cool national kits, looking sweet. What else is going on? I need more than that. So this is the top teams in in, uh, Europe. There's 24 teams make it. Um, So some big nations, some small. I'm going to go through your groups in quick fashion here. Um, Group A, Italy, Switzerland, Turkey, Wales. Not too bad. Group B, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, Russia. Also not too bad. Group C, this one is so weak. Austria, Netherlands, North Macedonia, and the Ukraine. No one's coming out of that and doing any damage. Group D, Croatia, Czech Republic, England, and Scotland. I think that's a fun, tough group. Croatia and England are very, very good. Uh, Group E, Poland, Slovakia, Spain, and Sweden. That will be competitive and fine. And then the group of death. Literally, this this group is insane. France, Germany, Portugal, and Hungary. Hungary, I'm sorry. Poor, poor Hungary. <laughs> poor Hungary. Sacrificed, on the, sacrificed on the altar of the East. Yeah. yeah. France, yeah. Germany, and Portugal all end up in the same group. Only East Germany. We'll make it. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun. The, the betting favorites, okay? So your fourth favorite to win the Euros are Germany at 9-1. to one. Uh, Your third favorites are Belgium at 15-2. to two. Your second favorites are England at 31 to 5. And your favorites are the defending champs, I believe. France? Do they win? Really? They're, no, they're the defending World Cup champ. 26 so. to 5 is France. So, um, Really? Wait, wait. Did you say Belgium? Yeah. Because Belgium. of like Holland and whatever else? I mean, well, they have uh, De Bruyne. They have oh. um, Lukaku, Hazard. Yeah. I mean, they're both of them. Wow. They're pretty jacked. They're, they're good. Belgium. Belgium. Turning out. Dude. Isn't better soccer players in England? They were they were the World Cup runners up last year. Yeah. Or 
two years ago, weren't they? Yeah, they lost to no. The World Cup runners up were were Croatia. Oh, you're right. You're right. But uh, they were they were they were in the semifinals. Like yeah. like Belgium has an unbelievably awesome and um, English Premier League heavy soccer team. Mm. Yeah. So. France obviously is a, a big favorite. They're they're the Feng champs. I mean, they have tons of talent on that team. But I think it's going to be fun for people to cheer for England. They never win anything ever. Um, like they're the most tortured, massive team on earth at this point. Uh, so I don't know. I, and and sorry for Jimbo. I don't know if you know this. Yeah. Trent Alexander Arnold has hurt. a like grade two like hamstring strain or tear or something like that. Like he is. He's missing all of it, and he's questionable to start the season for Liverpool. Of here's, just to get you excited for it, here's the, the reason you should cheer for it. They have fun. We, first, first of all, you need to fire all of the physical, like, athletic trainers at your Liverpool after the season. Like, everyone got it. Who didn't get injured? Right. Everybody got injured. And the one guy you wanted to get injured is, like, Bob Firmino, but he didn't. So. I think it's good. Yeah, and then you won huge games for us against like Man United to secure a third place. So that's true. I, I think it's gonna be a blast. Um, you know, I, I think I like the Euros as much as I like the World Cup, to be honest with you. So where can I watch this? Like where is it? Was it on ESPN or something? Yeah, well for sure. Right. Probably Paramount Plus, which you're about to cancel. Well, maybe I won't. Let's see. But yeah. either way, I think it I think it's absolutely a lot of fun because there's always like one or two teams that make it out of the group that nobody thought should make like Iceland what did a, you know 4 years ago Sweden might be the team you know um this season maybe Hungary maybe Hungary makes some noise in the group of death and uh you know eliminates Portugal and Germany at the same time like who knows like it would be it's it's one of those tournaments where there's always some fun underdogs that come out into the knockout stage, but then eventually fizzle out. But it was it was fun while you watched it, you know, mm-hmm. like that kind mm-hmm. of situation. So um, I I like England. I they I are England stacked. Too. They they have so many good young players. Um, not to mention a few Chelsea players that that will play prominent roles in this um, tournament. But uh, yeah. super fun. I, is everybody cheering for England then, or what? I mean, yeah, for sure. You have to. Football's coming home. All right. So the big matchups early in this tournament: England versus Croatia on Sunday morning, uh, which is exciting. Um, Sweden, Spain on Monday. France, Germany on Tuesday. Um, Italy, Switzerland on Wednesday. Denmark, Belgium on Thursday. Uh, Croatia, Czech Republic on Friday. Uh, you know, it's just it's loaded. Portugal versus Germany next Saturday or the following Saturday, and you can watch all these games on ESPN and ABC. There you go. So, Wait, can you guys? Dude, I'm name in. The, you sold me. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm excited. Can you about guys the Euros. Name, Can you guys name the club with the most Chelsea? Yeah, most players. <laughs> just wanted to listen. It's just, a low key, just wanted to throw it out there. The most what? Players in the tournament. The okay. Players in the tournament. Yeah. Great. Yeah, great. Happy. Happy for me. Yeah, I know. You guys are really, like, racist against brown people from South America. We get it, dude. That's pretty much, yeah. They're just not in this, but we are definitely not that way. All right, uh, yeah. guys, enjoy it. It'll be fun. Um, please tune in. Let us know who you guys are cheering for. Um, but, yeah, it will be a good time, and uh, we'll be following it closely and reporting on it over the next few weeks. Uh, thank you guys for tuning into the Nordies podcast. Go back, check out our first episode. We finished our rewatch Mission Impossible 
uh, six fallout, which was awesome. I uh, loved it. One of the best rewatches. And remember, we're starting the summer of Star Wars. So you guys can tune in and watch Star Wars with us. This week, we're watching The Phantom Menace. So until next week, thank you guys for listening to the Nordies Podcast.